Here we come, Lord, to hear your word by the power of your spirit so that our minds will be informed, our hearts will be inflamed, and our wills will be quickened towards obedience unto you. We pray that that will be the case, Lord, for the glory of your name and for the blessing of your people and the world in which they live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm sure you have uh, perhaps received a message from someone and either in the middle or at the end of the message, you see the three-letter word. I don't know whether it's a word, but this abbreviation L-O-L. Laugh out loud. Have you, have you received that before? Somebody writes a message to you and then at the end of the message or says something and then it says, I'm going to eat, L-O-L. Sometimes it doesn't make sense what comes before. But I, the, what a person is saying to you is to laugh out loud. I've received such messages before. And then you sit back and the picture that you have of the person who sent you the message is maybe someone who is laughing out loud and she or he is perhaps about to fall off their chair. Because the person says, laugh out loud. Now, I'm not sure if you have used those three letters in sending message to someone. When you did, were you really laughing out loud? Maybe not really. You, you just want to convey something. You were not really laughing. You perhaps were not really laughing out loud. But think of it this way. Wouldn't life be really, really great if we could have an ending joy and laughter and play? Wouldn't life be great that way? Just imagine. You come home, and there is joy and laughter. You come to church, there is joy and laughter. You go to work, joy and laughter. In the streets, joy and laughter. That is our experience. Wouldn't life be great in that way? But why can't we have lasting joy? Why not? Why can't we have it? After all, with all our ups and downs and going here and passing there and doing all the things that we are doing, at the end of the day, we are looking for joy. We're looking for happiness. We really want to have something that lasts. That is the end goal, at least in the human heart. That is what we are looking for. But sometimes, for example, great things will happen and you have observed the trend of your life experience. We are at home, we are at work, we are enjoying such a happy time and we know that that is not going to last. So even when there is happiness, we are very careful whether or not we should enjoy it because any time I have enjoyed it, it doesn't seem to last. It just goes like that. God has a lot to say about what appears to be an emotional roller coaster. Joy and then sadness and pain. And then it appears joy again and it doesn't seem to last. Why this kind of cycle? 
Proverbs 14, 13. He says, Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Just listen to it again. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, pain, and rejoicing, joy, may end in grief. Now, in life's experience, we know that sometimes, from your own life's experience, pain follows joy. They seem to be in some sort of sequence. One happens, and then the other follows. It doesn't seem to last. In fact, sometimes, it appears the pain lasts longer than the joy itself. They are in that sequence. So, that becomes our experience for many people. Other times, our experience of joy seems to be mixed up with the experience of pain. There is something great happening now. And then at the same time, there is something really sad, sorrowful happening now. Let me give you an example. Assuming you, even in this church, it could happen. Or you are in a family. And then you hear the passing of one beloved person. And then at the same time, another beloved person has given birth to a baby. All at the same time. You're not sure which one to express most. The joy of having a new baby or the sorrow of having someone just pass on. As Paul, Paul himself in the New Testament will put it, as sorrowful yet rejoicing. At the same time, sorrowful for a number of things that are happening, yet rejoicing for a number of things that are happening. The passage is really not talking about the idea of, oh, being sorrowful is a bad thing. Experiencing pain is not really a good thing for the Christian. That's not what he's getting at. After all, the master, the Lord Jesus himself, he wept many times. Do you know that? Hopefully you know that. That the Lord Jesus wept. And the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Now there is a reason for that. It wasn't because there was something wrong with him. But his perfection and righteousness coming face to face with the brokenness of humanity invoked something. Well, that's not what we're talking about. But the point is that what the passage is seeking to do as part of it is painting that experience for us. That even in laughter, one experiences heartache. And when one is experiencing joy, it seems to end in sorrow. But let's come back to the question. Would we, can we ever have lasting joy? Can that become our experience in a continual way than just short-lived? Even in laughter, a person's heart may be aching what he's saying is this. Keep the question in mind. Deep within, deep within, a person may be laughing and still be very sad. Very unhappy. 
And sometimes we look at a person's way of life, how they appear, what they have. And then we conclude that they must be very, very, very happy people. Very joyful people. We were driving in, uh, in Legon. The traffic was red, so we had stopped somewhere around Okonglo. And then a guy who was selling books approached my window and then spoke in pigeon to me, looking at a very fancy car right behind me. And then he said, those people are living in heaven on earth. But me, I am in hell right now in fire. I'm in hell right now with my situation. For him, I look at a very fancy car, a pretty lady sitting behind a steering wheel. They must be in heaven. I look at what I don't have, I must be in hell. That is happiness. But the truth is, and hopefully you would agree, you can sit behind the steering wheel of Bugatti and be one of the most unhappiest people. So, but that is our judgment usually. That's how we, we calibrate things. That's how we measure things. People might, might, might be smiley. And as part of what Proverbs 14 is conveying to us, especially verse 13, he's saying that life is a mixture of emotions. It's a mixture of all kinds of experiences that go on within us. On the one hand, we are happy. On the other hand, we are sad. On the one hand, we are happy and sad at the same time. One hand, the other hand, at the same time. Sometimes it's sequential, sometimes it's simultaneous, at the same time, for us. He is not, as I said earlier, speaking of joyfulness as against sorrow. No, no, he's just painting a picture to us at this point. This is the experience that people may have in this life. Of course, there will, could be all kinds of reasons that this happened. He's not interested in that at, the, at this point, even though chapter 14 will tell us a bit of that. And Proverbs as a book will tell us so much, and the Bible will tell us all that we need to know. So there may be all kinds of courses. Don't go there. Just stay with the idea that life is a mixture of emotions. And we know that even for Christians, people who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, sometimes the Lord will use pain and sorrow to get our attention to focus on the things that matter most. And sometimes the Lord will turn our mourning, our weeping into dancing, into joy, to lift us up and get us to focus on the things that matter most. Sometimes even the Lord does that. And we don't know the reason. We can go into all kinds of speculation and give all kinds of examples. But for every particular one, we can't really tell what exactly is going on. Of course, maybe in a counseling situation, you might be able to ascertain a little bit, understand a little bit. But the experience that proverb is describing is real. I may laugh, but I'm making within. The appearance of joy may be temporal or it may be fake. 
there is something about our experience as human beings within our emotions. Isn't that amazing that God is also concerned about our emotions? He understands it, and not only <clears throat> does he understand it, he speaks to it. And sometimes we don't realize, we don't even realize that people are laughing with us, but they are really in pain. We don't even realize it because we don't pay attention, do we? We ask people, how are you? We are not interested in the answer you give me. It is a cliche. It is something we just say. At the saying, and then I move on. Even before you say, eh, yeah. Before you say, I'm fine. We don't pay attention, so we don't see this. We see it in ourselves. We know it. The heart knows it. But we don't usually see it in others because we're not paying attention. We're all too busy. But sometimes, in the midst of the laughter, there is aching, there is weeping behind the scene. Now, by this time, you should go back to the question. We get that. We see that that is our experience. But let's stick with the question. Can there really be a time that our experience is that we experience joy and joy and joy and joy all the way through to the end? An ending. Can we ever have joy forever? As children will put it. Can we ever have joy forever? It appears this is too much of a cycle. The answer is yes, but not fully now. How do we know this? You've got to step back. That is why we have the word of God written for us in the Bible. You've got to step back and then take, take a look at things in the full picture. If you don't get a full picture, you won't understand this. If you don't get a full picture of life, as the Lord himself has shown to us, you won't appreciate our experience of life at this time. And nobody gives that true picture to us than the Lord Jesus himself. He says to his disciples, he says something really interesting to his disciples in John's Gospel. 16 verse 33, if you can turn and look at it. John chapter 16, we'll come back to Proverbs in a minute. Verse 33, he's giving them the big perspective. How they should have the right expectation in this life. Hallelujah. If you feel sleepy, just shake your head. And hopefully the sleep will vanish. This is what the Lord says. I have told you these things. So that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So that, here's what he's doing. Look at me for a moment. We'll get back to the Bible and we'll look into it. He says that, guys, listen, let me give you a picture of your experience. What is going to be your experience as even my disciples in this world? You will have trouble. But I want you to have peace in the midst of trouble. You will have emotional roller coaster. You have these experiences, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
So that is living in this life, he says to them. And then he stretches the big picture and then takes them to the very end. But he, and shows it to John, the same John who wrote this gospel. He shows it to him in Revelation at the end. And then he says this, at the end of it all, Revelation 21, verse 1 to verse 4. Let me add verse 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, what the Lord talked about in John's gospel, you will have trouble. That's the old order of things. This is our old order of things. For the old order of, order of things has passed away. So on the one hand, you will have trouble and pain and have all kinds of experiences in this world. On the other hand, in the world to come, the new creation, the new heavens, and the new earth. There will be no more pain. I don't know how it will feel like or look like, but it is joy and ending. Hallelujah. That is what Proverbs is pointing us to. And thank God the New Testament even makes it clearer for us. But the question, let's come back to the question though, I think we've answered it somehow. The question is, now here on earth, with our daily experiences of the issues of life, with work and family and passing on and birth and all these other things that happen to us, what should we do? What should we do to experience these glimpses, this even partial, partial joy? The fullness of the joy will be revealed in the new creation. We will experience it when Christ returns. But now, how should we navigate? How should we navigate this life with all its issues? From which Christians are not immune. Sometimes they have more. How should we navigate this life? Number one, come back to Proverbs 14. Keep your eyes on the fear of the Lord. Now, now, let our priority, our main concern, and I'll show that in uh, a bit in um, chapter 14 of Proverbs. Let our main concern be walking in the fear of the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 14, I won't read or uses expression of the way. You walk in the way. It, it talks about life. Life in the Old Testament sometimes is pictured in direction. Where you are going, your way, your walk, the way you live. 
this fear of the Lord now, presently, should be our primary concern. We should not pursue joy as an end in itself. We should pursue the Lord and walking with Him and loving Him and craving Him and fearing Him. Pursue that. Joy is an outflow of that. You cannot pursue the fear of the Lord and walking and enjoying the Lord without experiencing, however imperfect, the joy of the Lord as well. And that is in the midst of trouble. That is not without trouble. That is in trouble. And so even as Christians, sometimes we'll have joy and there it is, pain. Painful situation is happening and we cry, and we mourn, and we weep, yet we turn our attention to focus on the things that matter most. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, concern yourself with it. Verse 26, Proverbs 14. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. Verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. That will be, that may be the experiences of most of us. Even in that, in that experience, brothers and sisters, keep your focus on the fear of the Lord. What does it mean? Just briefly. Fear to dishonor the Lord. Fear to distrust the Lord. Sometimes we think of the fear of the Lord and we think of it in terms of the things that you do. Don't fornicate. Don't do this. Yeah, that is part of it, but it flows out of something. Fear to shift your faith in Him, your trust in Him. Let all the confidence of life be rooted in the Lord through Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. But that is at the roots of the fear of the Lord. Fear that you will fear anything that the Lord says he will help you overcome. Rather than fearing the Lord. Did you hear me on that, please? You fear the things that the Lord has promised you that he will help you overcome. You fear that more than the Lord. And that shows in the way you live. You begin to cut corners and do all kinds of things. Because you fear these things more than him. Fearing to distrust him. And that should be our concern. In this life. And then secondly, now right here, keep your eyes on the end. Brothers and sisters, keep your eyes on the end. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Verse 14, The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways. By implication at the end. Sometimes even now. And the good rewarded for this. Here's the point he's making. Or part of it. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Will in the end. Be fully rewarded by the Lord. And that reward is with himself. If you get any reward which is less than God himself, you haven't received the full reward yet. Heaven as such is not our reward. 
God is our reward. God himself is our, he gives himself to us. That is why heaven is what it is. And the new creation will be the new creation. Read the Revelation passage again. So let me finish off. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised when you go through these times. When these things are happening, my friends, there is the most important things of, of life that enables you to navigate these experiences. Your hearts, your concerns in that experience should be loving and honoring and fearing this Lord and trusting Him, however, and going with Him and getting the right perspective on life. <laughs> this is part of our experience. Until we get there. That is one. Number two. As you go through them, always live this present life, keeping your focus on the end. At the end of time, it will be like this. And everybody, at this point, this is the last passage I'm reading. Look at it for a moment. Look at me for a moment. I always say that. But today, I'm even going to say a bit more. I'm going to ask you to do something a bit unusual. Could you stand at this point? As I read for us, how the Lord stretches the focus of the people to focus on that which matters most. Live this present life with the end in focus. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Let's pray. Let's pray together.